You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with Alex Lahi. We're really excited to bring you this talk. Alex is someone who we've been aiming to have on the show for quite some time now, and it feels so great to know that it's finally happened. Last year, she released her debut album, I Love You Like a Brother, a true standout debut in every sense of the word. Along with her infectiously fun guitar chords, she also has an incredible knack for songwriting and presenting lyrics that get stuck in your head for days. I caught up with her while she was doing the last bit of North American dates and support for her album, and throughout our talk, we go into the experiences that she's had since releasing her debut. This is the 405 Exchange with Alex Lahi. Enjoy. So you've been in New York a good amount of times. Was your first time here because of music? No, my first time in New York was um, when I was in high school. I came here on like, it was kind of like a school trip sort of thing. And I remember we, um, we stayed. It was like this really weird, like, my school sent me on this like young leaders, like. Were you one thing? of the leaders? Oh, well, in theory, yeah. <laughs> And, um, and there was like all these kids from like all over the world at this thing and we were like 16 years old and it was like, the f- it was such a bizarre thing to be a part of. It was awesome. Yeah. And I remember like driving in from DC and seeing New York for the first time and um, you know, like making all the classic mistakes. I was like, there's the Empire State Building. It was like a crisis building. I was like, there's the Brooklyn Bridge. It was like the Manhattan Bridge, you know, like all that sort of stuff. But it was like pretty cool to sort of like, sort of more or less do it like just by myself, like it was yeah. really fun. Yeah. Yeah. What was your impression of the place, like when you came here? Like for the first time? Yeah, yeah. Just that, like I feel like I barely, barely scraped the surface of it. Like it was so dense. It kind of felt like a theme park or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because it's so even just the way that the city's built, like it's so on top of itself that it's almost like you feel like you're indoors all the time or something, or that yeah. you're on like a set. Yeah, yeah, especially around like places like Flatiron and Soho, it feels like so insular because of the way the buildings are. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I've been here since 08, and I feel like for any New Yorker who's been here for a long time, the only way to survive is to have like a love-hate with it. Yeah. But part of the love is what you just described, where for no matter how long you live here, you really do feel like you've only just barely scratched the surface. Yeah, I feel like I had a good conversation with a mate of mine from London, oh, who's like been living in London recently, and I, you know, she, she was like bitching and moaning about like, <laughs> you know, it's like I pay, you know, so much rent and I have the tiniest room and it's in the you know it's not even like really in the city and this and that or whatever and I was like so why do you stay and she's like because the moment you think you've seen everything it's changed yeah and like I thought that that was a really good like synopsis of like the big like mega metropolis kind of life and I think that applies to New York as well yeah well I'm curious what was it like for you when you went to London because I know I know from a good amount of friends of mine your music's been like pretty well received there so it must have been pretty trippy yeah London's super fun like we always have a really good time obviously there's like um a big connection between London and Australia which is really nice um I feel like every hostel I've ever stayed in in London or even just in the greater UK has had like an Australian person working oh always there's Australians (laughs) everywhere like that's the thing about Australians, and I think that that's like um, also translates to Australian musicians at all. Like 
because we're so isolated from the rest of the world, like geographically speaking, yeah. when we leave, we commit to leaving. Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? So when we leave the country, even to travel, it's like, we're gone for a while because it's a long fucking way to get back home. It really fucking is. Yeah, it's so far away. And, um, you know, even with touring, it's like, all right, well, we're going to do it and we're going to, you know, we're not going to, um, you know, we're not here to waste time and money and, and you know, distance like we're going to commit to doing it so yeah yeah, so you'll find Australians everywhere because they just have that commitment to being away from home but still being Australian it's interesting well that's actually something I wanted to bring up later on interview but it's good to bring it up now I mean you've been touring for your album like roughly over a year now I mean even before that one came out you were doing a fair bit of touring yeah and with what you just described like just the way you kind of hit it on like how have you been finding it because like it's been pretty mad hasn't it it's been mad yeah it's been great um you know, obviously we were touring like all that time before the record. Like I've been on the road solidly for two years, um, and the record came out on the sixth of October last year. And since we actually calculated it the other day, since the album's been out, we've played 110 shows. So yeah, so it's like a lot of a lot of work. Um, but you know, you just gotta do it. Like I mean, in my opinion, like if you're gonna, you know, give this thing a red hot go, and you have these you know, incredible opportunities in front of you that aren't gonna come back and they're not gonna last forever. Like, you just gotta go for it and give it your all and literally, like, just throw yourself over to the to the odds, I suppose, yeah. Does it feel like there's a bit of a contrast between what you expected it to be like and how it's actually been like? Like, I imagine there is, but I wonder what it's been like for you in that sense. I feel, I, I don't think that I expected to learn so much about myself, like, through touring and through making records. Um, like, and that probably has a lot to do with just like growing up in the process of it like I've been touring now since I was 23 um I wouldn't have wanted to start touring like I have any younger um I feel like it takes sorry not to cut you off I just want to say I feel like it takes touring to realize that because like yeah oh yeah like I you know you hear about these people who are like 16 or 18 or even like 20 and they're going on the road um I wouldn't have been ready for that I don't know if anyone can be um so i feel really fortunate to have sort of like hit my stride at that point in my life um and obviously like you just you know that's sort of when you really truly become an adult i think and so like having that experience on the road and i it's almost like a different version of moving out or something like that you know it's this like weird like kind of take on it like i haven't been i haven't i've kind of haven't lived anywhere for the last you know, a couple of years, which is strange. <laughs> so, like, you know, it, it, I, and in that process, like, I've learned a lot about myself and I've learned a lot about what it means to be independent but also um, reliable to others and, and also depending on others and allowing yourself to do that, about being resilient, about not being too resilient um, and having retrospect. Yeah. Um, and also just about, like, working hard and loving what you do. But also allowing yourself not to love it sometimes. Like, just to experience, like, the spectrum of, of everything and that everything's not always great, and that's cool, you know? Yeah, like, allowing those moments to actually happen rather than trying to automatically make yourself feel better, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Like, um, and also, like, allowing yourself to, um, you know, like, uh, my partner and I, who's a touring musician as well, like, we are talking about the idea of, like, developing resilience really, really quickly on the road, which is such a valuable thing to have, but then also you don't want it to get so strong that you're just getting through things and you know you can get through it so you don't change anything. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, this is shit, but we got through it, so it's fine. You know, it's, it's not fine. And, like, you know, and sort of, like, 
being self-aware enough to identify those things and be comfortable with making changes. Yeah, because yeah. in a weird way, it'd almost be like building glass walls around yourself. Exactly. kind of like protect you, but from nothing, because people can look inward. Though. Exactly, yeah. So like those sort of things that I've picked up along the way are probably the most surprising things that I've learned in that time. And I didn't like expect it. I just thought it'd be really fun and like I'd have a great time and I'd get, you know, so much out of it, which I have. Um, and I also knew that it would be hard, which it also has been. Um, but I've loved every minute of it. And I think a big part of that is because I've felt, I've felt myself grow as a person, yeah. you know? Yeah. Do you reckon one of the things also that's kind of surprised you is just kind of like, like something that blows me away when I watch people performing and knowing when they're, the way New York usually rests either in the middle or at the end of a tour, the yeah. fact that you had so many dates prior, like when you play so many shows in a row and you could like hit it, like show to show to show, does it surprise you that you're able to do that in that sense? Yeah, for sure. Like the idea of being gig fit is like totally a thing. It's like, you know, it's it's just as exciting as when you start a tour and you have like a whole new production set up or things are revised or you're playing with different people or whatever and you know and you're and it's like the, you've got the edge like it's, yeah. it's like the edge is on and you're like kind of got the jitters a bit and just sort of hoping that you can get through it and then you do and it's like that was great or we want to make it better and that's exciting too you know all that sort of stuff um, and I think at the tail end of this at this stage it feels like it's it's you know because of the nature of what I do or what this whole thing is and like releasing the albums and stuff it feels simultaneously like the start of something new as well as the end of you know an era yeah i'm curious is this band that you're playing with tonight is it the same band you had the last time you were in new york yeah they've been my band the, this entire time yeah oh, yeah the closeness you guys must have must be fucking crazy right? yeah we're very close yeah it's like you effectively like living together yeah, yeah. i want to jump into your music because um what really got me about your music is how the lyrics feel personal yet the narrative is vague enough where people don't know too much about you yeah right and i wanted to ask you about that like when it comes to writing an album such as you know the one you wrote does it feel that it's important to have that element to it or is that kind of just like a byproduct of just how you write i think it's just a byproduct of how i write i think that um i think i think that really the my writing i mean when you write songs you're communicating you know it's a form of communicating to others and i think that um that my songwriting style is pretty parallel to the way that I communicate just on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, I'm a pretty direct person. Um, I think I give a lot of myself emotionally, but I also think that I try to... I, I really like connecting with people. Yeah. Um, and I think that I try to... I, I, you know, I hope that I can connect to people through my songs. Not that I, like, actively go and do that, but I think if there's any reflection of myself as a person in, like, you know, any sort of social situation, um, like, that, I think that that's kind of, like, pretty pretty parallel. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting to hear you say that. I was actually just having a conversation with my partner this morning. She's a songwriter also, and I was yeah. talking to her about, like, how... I always find it intriguing how when you listen to a song, you can listen to it for like millions of times and then recognize that it's a conversation yeah. in some ways. Either the songwriter is writing to someone or inwardly. And I think it caught her by surprise saying that. With the way you just said it now, it's interesting to see how self-aware you are to that. Like, yeah, I mean, I think that there's like an element of being like self-aware and like developing an identity as a writer. But I think that then it's like equally important to like just be completely absent to that and just write, you know, yeah. like, and just play guitar and let words spill out of you and just let it be. And I think that there's something to be said for both ways of doing that. And, 
you know, I think that for all of the songs that anyone sits down and like consciously writes and is like, I want to tell this story, I want it to sound like this, I want it, and you know, that sort of conscious writing process, I think that that practice contributes to um, the the chances that you're just going to sit down one day and this song's just going to go like literally like out of you and it's probably going to be really good, you know? So like, I think um, it's about sort of like preparing your mind to work in that way to the point that it just becomes completely subconscious and it just happens. Yeah, well, going into that context then, I'd love to know, in regards to the songs on your album or even like the songs you released previously, what song do you think best reflects you having a conversation with just yourself? Or like looking inward and kind of in a reflective way in regards to you? Probably I haven't been taking care of myself is a good example of that. Um, It kind of like uses a external relationship I suppose as a trigger for that self-reflection but at the end of the day like that song is very much about like the relationship that a person has with themselves as an individual and how important it is to foster that relationship like um, it's really important to love yourself and like that doesn't isn't just about like being confident or thinking that you're the shit or whatever but it's just about like taking care of you and being mindful and like you know looking after your body and doing things that make you happy and not um i suppose um making yourself a sacrifice to some someone else or another yeah situation that doesn't foster that sort of relationship with you i know it's a bit of a weird question but in regards to that song did you write that song in an airport by any chance no, I wrote it at home. Did yeah, you? yeah. For some reason, I remember listening to that song for the first time, and for some reason, it just made me think about you in an airport. And like, any time I've been at an airport, I feel like that's probably one of the most introspective of you. No, just how miserable of a place airport. Yeah, I know they suck. I wrote it at my mom's house. Yeah, oh. in a little room at my mom's house. Yeah. That's right. You know, my favorite tune by yours is um, "Every Day Is the Weekend," and that's Thank a tune. You. It feels like every time I listen to it, it's the first time. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. such a nice thing to say. Thank you. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, What's the story behind that particular song from a lyrical point of view? Um, I think the story behind that song is that I was... Um, uh, I just started this job um, that I was kind of like really half-assed about. And I was sort of like hanging out with someone at the time who, um, you know, who also who had a lot of free time. And um, I just sort of found myself being like, oh whatever, like, I'm just going to pull a sickie and hang out, you know, sort of thing, and so, like, the idea that every day's the weekend kind of came from that, and, like, you know, just the days of the week, just, like, you know how, especially when you're on tour as well, like, the days of the week just didn't, like, matter, and they just kind of, like, melted into this puddle of time, and, um, and so it was sort of about, like, just not giving a shit, and, like, and not in a good way, like, it's about, like, really dropping the ball, and, um, and about, um, yeah, sort of not prioritizing, like, in a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. What I think is really intri- intriguing about that, though, and that's why I really want to ask you about the lyrical element, because the musical element is kind of, like, bouncy and kind of joyous, and, like, yeah. uh, it feels, like, so on the nose saying this, but, like, it has the sound of the weekend in a very... Yeah, right, yeah. I think, like, it's a funny song, and I think, like, it's really strange, because um, I don't... I actually don't think it's a particularly well-written song. I, I actually, like, I, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think it's, <laughs> I don't actually think it's a, um, like, you know, objectively, <laughs> I don't think it's a great song. Yeah. Um, 
and it's really funny that it's probably my most successful song, <laughs> um, given that I don't think that it, um, you know, I don't think it's creatively as successful as it should be. Yeah. Um, so it's really funny, and I think the reason why, like, I've been, I've thought about before and been like, why, like, why is this, you know, doing okay? And I think it's because like. Um, a lot of it has to do with um, you don't necessarily have to speak English to kind of like get it because it's a lot of like what o's and also just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like yeah. You know what? That kind of reminded me. I think I remember years ago reading Chris Martin saying something similar about um, the Coldplay song Yellow, like feeling oh, like yeah. just like why do people love this song so much? I wrote it like 10, 15. Months. Yeah. I know, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, I remember writing that song and I remember even showing it to my mum at the time and I was like, what do you think of this song? She's like, I don't know. And, like, and, and, like, and then I'm like, I don't know either. And then when I delivered the album, the consensus was, it was like, this is going to be the first thing. And I was kind of like, really? Like, are you, like I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, so well, yeah. Well, now you know for future reference to do the exact opposite of your mum. Yeah, exactly, right? Which is a good way yeah. to live anyway, if I'm being honest. <laughs> True, yeah. yeah listen to that kids yeah so you know what this is a question that i just formed in my head like after hearing you describe that then if that's a song you don't think is an example of your best songwriting then what to you personally do you feel is like what's a song that you have that you feel is like man i wrote that like fuck um you don't think you like people like me always has like a special place in my heart because that was sort of the song that like allowed me to i suppose um gain momentum into building a career in this thing that I've wanted for so long. So I feel it's really funny when you create something that you feel indebted to. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I have that kind of relationship with that song. Um, but a song that's on the album that I'm really proud of, I think, um, because it's, it's really funny because like me thinking about that question, it's like I reflect on the writing process as, as opposed to like the outcome. Yeah. And I think that like, I was really happy with so two songs like I think I love you like a brother um, was a song that I'd wanted to write for a long time yeah. um, and I always knew that I wanted to write a song about my brother and our relationship and I just knew that I couldn't sit down and be like all right I'm gonna write this song yeah. and like do it um, I remember I was just like sort of strumming around at home and I was playing um, I was teaching myself songs from the first vaccines album like just for fun yeah. and um, I kind of like just picked, you know, and I was like, oh, these guys just pick like three chords and yeah. it's like, you know, and I was like, I'm just gonna pick three chords and write a song. So I started playing these chords and then this song came out of me and it was like, I love you like a brother. I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Like, you know, and I was like, started writing this song that again, I just wanted to write for so long, but I knew wasn't gonna be good if I consciously did it. Yeah. Um, the other song uh, that I was thinking of is There's No Money, which is the last song on the record, was the last song that was written for the record and I remember when I had, you know, nine songs, I wanted to make a 10 song album and I was like, I need one more song. And I thought to myself, I was like, I'm gonna write a last song for an album. And I remember thinking, I was like, what's the perfect last song for a record? Like what, you know, and I was listening to these albums. I was like, you know, what speaks to me as a final song in the album? And the one that came to mind was Every Time the Sun Comes Up by Sharon Van Etten. Yeah, and, um, that's a damn great one. Yeah, it's amazing. And I remember listening to that and like listening to the drum beat and how it was like, it's that really strange metronomic drum machine kind of vibe, but then with um, recorded drums on top of that. And I was really inspired by that and the idea of having a ballad on the record as well. And so like, I sort of used that drum um, influence as a basis to write this song. And so I wrote, a final song for the album and I think that it's a really good 
closer, like for, for the album, and I think it, it closes in a way that sort of like pushes on to, the, to something new. And I'm really, really proud of that, that I just sort of gave myself that brief that was so musically indirect, but I, I feel like I managed to fulfill it. What I think is really cool about that song you just mentioned is that, and I imagine you must feel pretty proud about this element, is that it's a relatively simple song, yet the way you're playing with time signatures and you're playing is really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, it's super simple and I felt like it was one of those songs that wasn't particularly overly produced when I wrote it and I was kind of happy to just leave it like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also don't play it live, really, which I also no. like. <laughs> which I also like. I think it's cool when people have songs that they don't play live and it just exists within yeah. one sphere. Like yeah. it leaves it kind of almost like a treat for the listener. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, I only have a couple more questions for you. Tell me this, what was it like for you to tour of Jimmy Your World recently? Oh, they're so nice. Yeah? They're just a wealth of knowledge. I mean, they've been doing, doing it for 24 five years or some shit like they've been a band for so long like they've been a band longer than my drummer's been alive we like to get out and they were just so lovely and welcoming and kind and i felt like it was a really good fit as well um but it was also just really cool to play like some bigger venues in town like doing brooklyn still twice as a dream i love that room it's so so cool isn't it yeah the staff there is great and just like it's very smooth yeah yeah. new york doesn't always tend to be but yeah it was super fun and like my mom and my brother and my sister-in-law and my partner all there so it was like a really nice sort of family vibe and um yeah i really we don't really do that many supports over here or we haven't yet and um it's um it's just such a treat yeah it's really cool do you feel like i mean this is a bit of a cheeky way to ask it but do you reckon like when you're on those stages you kind of got the vibe of like almost internal affirmation of knowing that the music works in rooms like that like knowing that your own music can work in a room of that size it's kind of like oh fuck. yeah i mean the thing is is that um because we play um like a lot bigger rooms in australia the show by default kind of caters to that size of a room because that's what we that's kind of like the base level for us so in a way it's kind of i i think that for someone coming to see us in america or in europe where we're playing you know much smaller rooms they're kind of getting this theater size show in a tiny room which is kind of cool that is really cool yeah so like it's actually maybe different to what someone would expect if they were going to see um like a, lo- a local band maybe or something yeah. like that not that there's you know anything you know, wrong with that anything wrong like, with that like you know but it's just like it's just it's like we're importing a different show yeah. and i remember like feeling that we opened for catfish and the bobbleman at the start of last year which feels like a lifetime ago. It really um, Yeah, and they played at a venue in Melbourne, which is like 1,100 cap, yeah. um, which is, you know, a big room. Yeah. And, um, but they literally imported this, like, you know, they do like arenas in, yeah, in yeah. Europe, like imported this arena show and like airdropped it into this tiny room. Yeah. And it was just like amazing, like to watch a show of that standard in that kind of room. Our show is not an arena. <laughs> But you know, where you know, we do play bigger shows over there, so that so the show that we bring over here is that kind of show. Yeah, the production yeah. value just intrinsically is more. Yeah, exactly, it. because it has to be f- because of what the audience is over there. So it's kind of like there's something cool about um, sort of coming into smaller rooms, but like hitting the ground running yeah. and like just like going all out. It's really fun. Yeah. Well, the way you were saying that just now, it almost felt like you were realizing that for the first time in regards to your own live show. Yeah, I think, I think so. Like it was really cool to do the album, like um, production for the album show last year yeah. and um, be, being prepared to play 
you know, like we were, we were doing thousand cap rooms in Australia and, you know, having a show that was like doing that justice yeah. and then being like, cool, well now we're going to go do like 80 people in Salt Lake City and like taking, <laughs> and like taking that, you know, over there. And I think it's, um, it's, it's it's good to have a slice of humble pie, like for sure. Um, but it's also really fun to surprise people. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Before I let you go, I just want to ask one more thing. I remember when I first heard about you and I was like reading about you and your music, one of the things I respected about you right away is you were very like outward about having people not compare you to other artists. Like yeah, right. you were very much like, This is my music, I don't want you to be thinking about other people when you listen to it. I feel like where we are now in regards to your career, it's at a point where people are definitely not doing that anymore. Does it feel that way to you? Like, do you recognize that you're at a place now where people are not, at least as far as I can tell, people aren't comparing you to other people anymore? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's just like, um, I think a big part of it is because like I am out, you know, I'm, I'm also working a little bit more away or um, from the small Australian scene that you know I'm from which is such a beautiful place to be from and I hope that I'm always embraced by it because I have so much love for it um but you know there is definitely a culture of like wanting of people sort of being relevant to the scene within the scene and trying to like create connections between people like you know sonically and all that sort of stuff which isn't necessary um so I think it's been really cool like to sort of work outside of that a bit and allow people from you know everywhere else that we play to make their own judgments on not necessarily what they think that it sounds like that they like or don't like but sort of more assessing why they connect to the music um and i think that like maybe there's a certain nostalgia that people like and and there's um you know sort of descriptors that suggest that um but at the end of the day like i think that people just they just like what they like and I think that there's less like sort of shame in well not shame but like less of a need to feel like you have to justify why you like something by saying it's because it sounds like something else I like yeah or that you don't like something by saying it sounds like something else I don't like yeah. you like know that way of thinking is like so antiquated now yeah exactly like I you know prefer some rock bands to others you know like you know it's just like that's just the you know and and there's many reasons for that so i think um yeah i think that i think that people's ideas are sort of shifting i don't know if it has anything to do with me or like the music that i'm making or if i've somehow become more you know um in my own sort of world and i don't have to be connected to other people in order to like legitimize the interest in what i do um or lack thereof I think that people are just making up their own minds and I think that's really good and I think it's a sign of music journalism like taking a really positive turn. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. You know, I know I said last question, but just one more yeah, quick thing. Uh, you used to play the saxophone and yes. I was curious, do you reckon that your next album might have saxophone on it? There was a little bit of saxophone on the last one. Was it you though? Yes. It was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was me. Um, I think that there will always be a little bit of saxophone on my album. Yeah. Like, I think so. I can't imagine not doing it. And I'm just about to make the next one when I go home, which I'm super excited about. And um, the person who's producing it and me, like, we've had the conversation. I was like, look, <laughs> I've got this up my sleeve. Like, if you need it, I will whip it out. Was Holly- he surprised when you heard that? Well, he or she, was, were they surprised? Um, she wasn't. Oh, I don't know if she, I think she was just like, sweet, it's like one person less to pay. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> 
I was like, I'll do whatever. Like, you know, I'll just, I'll just learn how to do... If, if that's the case and we could save money by me doing all sorts of shit, like, I'll just be like the guy in Mary Poppins with the drum on my back and all that kind of crap, so yeah. Alex, thanks for taking the time to chat. I was, I'd be really looking forward to getting a chance to chat with you, so... Ah, oh, thanks, mate. No, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, Cheers, dude. Cheers. Thank you.